The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. I love to say that for me, intuition is uh, intelligence that takes a shortcut. And I had a very strong intuition at that time that it was the moment or never. Either I continue, I probably still be at L'Oréal, who knows at which position today, or, or it was a good moment. I was uh, in my early 40s to start something else. Welcome to The Path. I'm Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top leaders to talk about the decisions that shape their unique careers and how these valuable lessons can help you forge your own path. Today, I'm talking with Cody CEO, Sue Navi. At the start of her journey, Sue's interests were all over the map, from astronomy to biotech to the daring aesthetic of the British new wave music scene until one day it clicked. There was a little bit of everything she loved in the beauty industry. Sue worked her way up at L'Oreal, becoming their youngest president in the history of the company. Then she took a risky leap into entrepreneurship before landing on top of the multinational beauty company, Cody, which is home to CoverGirl, Kylie Cosmetics, and countless iconic fragrances. Here's how Sunabi paved her path. I wanna start by going way, way back, and I'd love to maybe hear a little bit about what you thought you wanted to be when you grew up. You know, when I grew up, I remember that uh, I was uh, kind of obsessed with science fiction. And my dream was to combine two passions. One of them was becoming an astronaut, and the second one was genetics. You know, I was obsessed with genetics. How can we uh, understand the code of life, etc.? So I said, okay, I would need to do one job one day that combines both. It's not the case at all today. But these were things that are still in my mind as a center of, uh, you know, interest and passion, I have to say. I know at a certain point you ended up uh, moving to France when you were young. And I'm curious, um, maybe at all, how that affected what you thought you, you wanted to do in your professional life. I was at that time willing to work in biotechnology. So you can imagine in 1985, biotech was not the word that it is today. It was something that even my father did not understand. But he said, OK, the only place that I do believe uh, you can find the path to go and, 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 and learn biotechnology is this kind of school that is in France. And it happened overnight. You know, I was supposed to stay where I was born in Algiers, uh, studying there. And then suddenly I had to pack everything. My father took me to France where he said to me, bye bye, <laughs> good luck. And he left, you know, and I was 16, 17 years old. So th this was the first, I would say, um, yeah, defining moment of my life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I had a similar experience where I moved away from home. It was actually for, for school. At a, at a fairly young age. And I feel like it, it taught me a lot about myself and I learned a lot of just general, really important life skills yeah. at, a, at a young age. I'm curious if you feel that same way about that period. No, you're totally right. In fact, when you are living with your family, your parents, uh, your siblings, etc., you are defined by them in a way, in fact. Huh? And when suddenly you get... Uh, in a place where you're living by yourself, you start to create your own uh, 
ecosystem of friends, of relationships, etc. Then there is a new definition that starts to draw in front of your eyes. It helps you to understand what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses. Suddenly things that you thought were strengths are not, and suddenly some things that you thought were weaknesses appear to be strengths. So it's funny to see that you redefine yourself at these key moments in your life. So eventually you do end up going to college, and I know you went for agronomy and environment. Like, what, what was your goal at that, at that time? <laughs> Today, there are schools where you learn biotechnology as a, as a science by itself, but by then it was mainly linked to agronomy. I learned more on, on uh, you know, biochemistry, uh, biology, uh, environmental science that was starting at that time to become a key topic. It was very early stages. And this was very, very helpful in my career years and years after, not at all in the area of agronomy, mm. but in the area of the beauty industry. In a way, I knew it was not going to be where I wanted to work, but I felt that this would be useful in the coming years. At that time, were you ever drawing any connection to the beauty industry? With not the thinking all. and what you were studying, not at all. Not at <laughs> yeah. all. No, I was, I was really passionate by music at that time. It was for me, at least, it was all about uh, British new wave, London new wave, and they were defining also a vision of beauty that was daring at that time. I said, "Oh my God, this looks like a, a, an oasis of freedom." You know, uh, it's a place where you can be who you are. You can play with your face features, and it's a world where I felt people won't judge you. So I said, "Okay." There is this passion and attraction towards how people look like and my passion for biology and science. And, and, and the two, as you can imagine, unite very beautifully in the beauty industry. So, and this happened years and years after. But I believe in, in, uh, in the fact that life is made of moments that, like this, do not look like linked to each other, but in, the, in fact they are. And, it's, it's, and talent is about making them part of the same story, I would say. Yeah? She was amazing at connecting the dots to tell a story. And that's exactly what she did when she graduated. She wanted to pivot to the beauty industry, so she developed a narrative that connected her personal history, her knowledge of biotech, and her MBA. And she used her storytelling skills to actually pitch herself to L'Oreal. It was biology, and then a passion for uh, beauty, and then MBA in luxury, which allowed me uh, to uh, end up writing to L'Oréal and to say, hey guys, uh, I think you need me. I have, uh, I have a fantastic story to tell you. I'm passionate about beauty. I'm passionate about science. I have a very unique understanding of this industry. Uh, uh, and it was not very humble to say this, but I said to them, but because I have multiple cultures, you know, my North African culture, my uh, then uh, European culture that I was learning. I spent some time also in the U.S. in summer schools when I was a teenager. So I said, I do believe that this multicultural food that I had could be helpful to make me a successful person in this industry. And, and, and finally ended up being hired at L'Oréal in 1993. So this idea of, of just proactively reaching out to a, to a large company like L'Oréal and you knowing what makes you special, 
it requires a certain level of confidence and conviction in yourself. What gave you that confidence to reach out proactively? I, I wouldn't say it was confidence, but I felt that I was a bit different for many regions, sometimes for regions that I hated, but voila, I was different. I was not doing things the same way other people would do it. And this ended up being something that helped me to stand out, if I may say, from the crowd, because I remember when I met for the first time someone from L'Oréal HR, this person told me... Uh, that I looked like a rough diamond that could be very dangerous to hold in the hands because there were a lot of pieces that could cut the hands. And I found this image at the same time disturbing and I loved it because I said, okay, this is the way people see me. For me, business was all about telling a real story, but a story that tells people that they can go from one point to another point if they enter into, into the world of the brand or into my world. So for me, business is all about storytelling, not fake storytelling, true stories, authentic stories, but stories that will allow people to project themselves. So it was not confidence. It was probably also a sense of um, I was not, you know, conscious of the difficulties of the world, which is always better, you know. Someone said that they did it because they didn't know it was impossible. So that's more or less a driver that was inside me. I didn't know that it was so difficult. So I went there and I said, why not? And it happened. They didn't do it because they didn't know it was impossible. That's a, that's very, very powerful way of thinking. So you eventually get in to, to L'Oreal. Maybe tell me a little bit about your, your first role or, or job there? And then in your head at this time, are you thinking about what comes next or are you kind of taking it one step at a time in the current role? No, I was taking it one step at a time. That's has always been my philosophy in life. I don't build because, you know, I love to surprise myself. I love to be surprised. I don't like the idea that I'm doing this because I want to go to that level, etc. And I, in fact, I trust, I trust the universe to take me to the right place. That's the way I see it, you see what I mean? I said, if I do my job the right way, if I am passionate, if I people feel this passion, people get my story and get into my story, then the next step will be just a consequence. And so so what when I started at L'Oréal, it's funny, you know, when you start at L'Oréal, they give you a car and they ask you to travel uh, the south of France. For me, it was the south of France, a tiny car. And I need to visit supermarkets to sell shampoos. And I found it a fantastic experience, you know, because you really learn to talk to people who do not care about your brand. They have so many brands to take care. How do you stand out in this, in this environment? And there I understood that human relationship, the quality of the relationship you can have with these people who are going to be your business partners sometimes for a year was essential. And it has to be built on authenticity, on friendship if possible, and on win-win stories. You know, we're going to win together. These are the things I started to learn quite early in my career by going to stores talking to people in charge of the beauty department. So it was a great school. It was a great school. Sue rose through the ranks at L'Oreal, becoming a brand manager, a marketing director, and a general manager. She kept growing her storytelling and marketing skills, and she leaned on mentors and stepped up to leadership roles. And then in 2005, she took the presidency at L'Oreal Paris, the youngest president the company has ever had. Sue led the reinvention of L'Oreal's branding from the iconic tagline, because I am worth it, to because we're worth it. And she pushed diversity and inclusion across the board. Her tenure saw L'Oreal's strongest years of growth in the decade. But then in 2014, after nearly two decades at L'Oreal, 
Sue left to start her own brand, Orvita. What's going on in your head where you have such this iconic role to then decide that I'm going to go out on my own? I think it's intuition. I love to say that for me, intuition is uh, intelligence that takes a shortcut. And I had a very mm. strong intuition at that time that it was the moment or never. Either I continue, I probably still be at L'Oréal, who knows at which position today, or, or it was a good moment. I was uh, in my early 40s to start something else, something new that would open new doors new things that were not possible if I stayed at L'Oréal. So I said, okay, I need to trust my feelings. I need to trust my intuition. Uh, and this is when I decided that, okay, maybe that's a good moment to reinvent myself and to invent what I do believe is the future of skincare. Because at that time, you could really feel that the beauty industry was moving from superficial fixing into something that has to do with deep inside your skin and becoming more or less a health business, if I may say. And I said, okay, this idea can lead us to a brand that could redefine what it means to take care of yourself, to take care of your skin, and which eventually uh, was launched a few years later and was called Orvida. And the tagline of the line is, works with your skin, not against it. And in fact, I love this tagline, not just because of its uh, skin story. I love it also because it's a point of view on life and on the world we are living in. I have always been a person that tries to unite rather than to divide. And I, I am a with rather than against person. You see what I mean? And this is very important. If you want to understand me, if you want to understand how I do business, how I create brands or create, you know, innovations together with our teams, it's all about uniting rather than dividing. That's it's extremely inspiring. Was it hard for you? Were you nervous? Uh, were you scared? Yes. To go out on your own? Of course. <laughs> I remember the first night, I was already trying to see how it could look like in 10 years. And I think it's a big mistake. You have to do it step by step. Every journey is one step after the other. And finally, when I understood that it's just one step after the other, and the... Uh, the final destination will draw by itself rather than you draw it from point zero is really was a big release. Nicola, the co-founder of Arveda and myself, we studied everything. I, of course, benefited from my 20 years at L'Oréal, helped me a lot to understand. And I was, you know, because I'm a science person, science-driven person, it was very helpful for me to, to, to use this know-how and the experience I have accumulated to go and visit laboratories and tell them, hey guys, your traditional way of doing is not the way I want to do it. Traditionally, what you do is you give me a nice texture and you tell me I'm allowed to add 1% of actives. We're going to do it the other way. I'm going to tell you this is the 20% of actives that I believe are needed to give people results and you are going to build the texture around it. And this was totally reverse way of doing things. And that's, you know, I love to do this. I love to go and say, okay, there is a sea of sameness. How can we create something that's distinct? Not for the sake of being different, different because it's more for the consumer at the end. In 2020, Sue became the CEO of Cody, which is home to over 50 iconic cosmetic, skincare, and fragrance brands, including Orvita. Sue was the fifth person to be named CEO of Cody in five years, and she had a mission to rebrand the company. Are you able now to bring that same level of, I'm gonna call it innovation, or out-of-the-box thinking, 
to Cody as the CEO, as the CEO of a hundred year old company. Absolutely. Are you able to bring that mentality into the company today? No, no, you're right. That's a very fair and good question. And, and, and in fact, the answer is uh, two times yeah, yes, if I may say. I'm going to tell you why I say two times. Uh, I am using, in fact, Orveda and a new project that we have presented a few weeks ago again, which is probably the most advanced fragrance offering. It has the name of Coty. This is a first. You know, Coty was the inventor of perfumery at the beginning of last century, and we intend to be the inventors of the 21st century perfumery with this project called Infiniment Coty Paris. And these two projects, we call them Protopia, Coty Protopia. We've created this new story behind Coty fragrances using these two, I would say, satellites to show a way to the rest of the company. This is where we want all the brands to go. So I am almost, you know, the marketing manager working on this fragrance project, of course, still being the CEO of Coty. But this is not only great because we show a way where the rest of the brands will go, but it's also great for me because it gives me a grip on what is really my company deep inside. You know, sometimes CEOs have this big vision, which is fantastic, but they don't see what's wrong. They don't see the bottlenecks. They don't see that sometimes what they are asking for, people don't simply know how to do it. So when you have these two, two brands in your hands, it allows you to go deep into the company and say, okay, let me help you and fix it. And I have the power to help you because I'm the CEO of the company. Yeah. And voila, the mindset is about looking for places where no one is and try to go there. You know, I love to say that I am this kind of person when I see a mountain, some people say it's too high. And for me, it's what's behind the mountain. And I would like people to think like this in my company. Sue's shown incredible hands-on leadership at Cody, and she's also started a new campaign called Undefined Beauty to update the outdated dictionary definition of beauty, which only centers around young women. Under her leadership, Cody is leading the clean beauty revolution. I'm sure you get this question all the time, but what is your best career advice for someone that just asks you, Sue, how should I think about navigating my career? One of the best advice I, I've been given is don't be obsessed with, you know, being loved by everyone. Try to be respected by everyone. Respect is more important than love. I want to be respected. I don't want you to love me. I don't want you to hate me neither because it's not nice. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is to be respected for what you do and what you are showing in terms of way. And the second advice is, you know, is about time. What takes time is respected by time. So don't try to create things that are an overnight success because the quicker the success is, the quicker sometimes is the, the other part of the success. So take your time. Time is an ally. It's not your enemy. Here's what stuck with me after our conversation. At every turn in her journey, Sue trusted her own vision and perspective, and she learned how to share her point of view. She got her first job at L'Oreal after she mastered the art of storytelling. And she became a visionary in the beauty industry because she was able to tell a new story about the future of beauty. And when Sue took a calculated risk to launch Orvita and stay true to her vision, she ended up with even bigger opportunities at Cody. So how can you become a better storyteller? We'll get into that and how to think about calculated risks after the break. 
The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Welcome back to The Path. Before the break, we heard how Sue Nobby led some iconic changes at L'Oreal before leaving to launch her own brand, Orvita, and eventually becoming the CEO of Cody. Sue's got one of the most useful skills in business, storytelling. It's an essential skill to get in yourself and your work out there. So we've got Charlene Lee here to give you some tips on how to tell better stories. Charlene is an expert on leadership and customer experience. She's the author of six books, including the co-author of the critically acclaimed Groundswell. Whether you're telling the story of your career path to an employer or telling the story of your brand to potential customers, the tenets of a good story are always the same. Every great story begins with listening to who your audience is and knowing the stories they want to hear. Because when you can incorporate them into the story that you're going to tell, it's going to be incredibly powerful. What stories are going to move them at this particular time and point? So this is not about the stories that you can tell. You can tell many, many stories, but what are the stories that will be gravitating towards people? And the best stories are narratives that allow the people who are listening to write their own stories on them so they can see themselves in that story. If you think back to when Sue pitched herself to L'Oreal, she knew it was an international company that needed a diverse perspective. Sue had that, and she told them the parts of her story that would help them understand her unique point of view and how it could help them grow. But what if you're towards the beginning of your career and you're not sure what parts of your life count as a professional part of your story? Just answer this one question. How did you get to where you are today? And that story, that path is so unique and interesting because it's your story. It's your unique story. No one has ever walked that path before. No one can talk about your family history, your education, the choices that you made that got you to where you are. Everything that you have done in the past, each choice has gotten you to where you are today. So go back and parse out which were the most important pivot points where if you had taken a different path, and taken a different choice, it would have ended up in such a different location and place than where you are today. Those are the seminal moments in your story that you want to talk about. Let's try an exercise. See if you can tell the story of your own career the same way that Sue told me hers today. Feel free to pause and think about it. Try drawing a line from one important moment to the next. What goals, vision, or values led you there? Next, try adjusting your answer based on your audience. Now stick to the facts, but experiment with the power of framing your story. Telling your story effectively will be useful when you're up for a promotion or interviewing for a new job, but it also might offer some clarity about where you want to go. 
What if where you want to go next isn't another company? What if you're ready to build something of your own? Like when Sue decided to leave L'Oreal to start Arvita, but you're afraid to leave the security of your job. Here's one thing you can do. Imagine that in 10 years from now, you're telling the story of your career. Will you look back and say, you wish you'd taken the risk? I like to say that what Sue did in leaving a very secure job at L'Oreal, and she could have just stayed there and had a great career. What it takes to do that is tremendous, tremendous confidence in yourself and confidence, not that you're going to be successful, but confidence that no matter what the outcome, she's going to be not just fine, but she's going to do great. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? It, the worst thing that could happen, it wasn't the right time for what her idea was. It, it, it wasn't the right market. Uh, the, the investors weren't going to show up. So many things could go wrong. And yet she said, you know, I probably can't live with myself if I don't actually scratch this itch to go and see if this actually worked. And so I, I think when it comes to people saying, I'm going to leave the safe and secure place, move out of my comfort zone and, and try this, we're, you're driven by this need to go see what's on the other side. One of the things I encourage us to do is to really take a mind journey and say, well, what would that look like? Let's go out to the very, very edge of what it looks like. Really go out there and experience it. You know, really put it on. And you'd be amazed how far you could go. It can be so daunting because you want to have that same security that you had before, that surety, that five years down the line, I'm going to be making this, having this kind of success, and nothing can guarantee you that. The only thing you can know is what today looks like and a little bit of what tomorrow looks like. And the only thing you can control is what you do and your reaction to what happens. So as long as you're comfortable with that, then you can step into that uncertainty. As long as you go in eyes wide open and know what the potential outcomes are going to be, then you can do with the reality of what you need to do with that particular moment and not be frozen by the potential outcomes. You can do some calculations before taking a big risk to create something of your own, but you can also get yourself mentally ready to make the leap by taking small steps to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Some ways to put yourself outside of the comfort zone is to say, to know what you're comfortable with and also what makes you really nervous. And you can find yourself like, well, I, I don't know if I would do that. That's when you go, wait a minute, I should go do that because I don't feel comfortable with it. So it's literally feeling inside of your body when you just get that kind of antsy, stomach flipping, you know, palm sweating kind of feeling. You're like, I should go do that. Like, I don't like to speak in public. I should go do something and speak in public. If someone's asking for a volunteer to go organize something, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can organize it. The hand should go up. <laughs> so it's anytime you're feeling out of your comfort zone in place, really examine and just go, why am I thinking this? And maybe this is something I should pursue and really step in and, and try it. You just expanded what you thought was possible. So here's my takeaway. Find the intersection of who you are and what you want to see out in the world and use soft skills like storytelling, empathy, and relationship building to get that next job or launch your own business. But remember, storytelling is just part of it. Sue worked hard to prove that what she promised worked. Her years of knowledge in biotech, in business, and her passion for pushing beauty forward have earned her a reputation as a visionary in the industry. 
So like Sue says, tell authentic stories, follow your intuition, and trust that if you do your job right, if you're passionate and invite people into your story, the next step will be just a consequence. Follow the path for more episodes weekly and join the conversation about each episode on linkedin.com slash the path. The path is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Ava Adnabegi, Stephen Baldivia, and Rachel Wong. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop, and Dan Roth is our editor-in-chief. Thanks to Tatiana de Almeida, Caroline Gaffney, and Valerie Berry. And a special thank you to Charlene Lee for sharing her insights with us. To hear more from Charlene, subscribe to her newsletter, Leading Disruption, on LinkedIn.